loyal listeners and bears everywhere. Welcome to The Sound Barrier, Northeast State's official podcast. We're coming at you today, as always, from the Entertainment Technology Studios and the Technical Education Complex here on the Blountville campus. And oh, what a day it is. We are delighted to have the president of Northeast State, Dr. Jeff McCord, joining us on this episode. Dr. McCord, Welcome. Thank you. My name is uh, Tom Wilson. I'm going to be your co-host. I'm here with our fellow co-hosts, April Allen and Mackenzie Moore-Gent. Dr. McCord, welcome. Tom, thank you. April, Mackenzie, it's good to be here. We're pleased to have you. Um, Now, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you've been president here of Northeast State since last fall. About six months now. About six months. And now, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you came here to Northeast State. Well, it's long and varied, Tom. People say um, that I can't keep a job, but I prefer to call it diversity of experience. Um, (laughs) Very good. And so I actually started out as a supervisor in uh, a textile mill. I was the supervisor of doubling and twisting department, second shift. They trained me for two weeks and told me I was supervisor. So it's been all the way from that to the role I have now and a lot in between, both in the private sector and in the public, I was fortunate enough 10 years ago, 11 years ago, to, to start at Northeast State. I came from Eastman to Northeast State before I went to the state of Tennessee, where I've been for the better part of the last four years. When you were a young college student, before you first got that job in the textile plant, what motivated you as a college student, 18, 19 years old, when you were like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward with this? Well, it was always expectation in my house that we would have three brothers, um, that we would go to college. And so I went to Georgia Tech, and I went to Georgia Tech because it was the cheapest, best college that I could get into. Um, So it's value, cost quality, function of cost and quality, and so that was really it. It's in-state tuition at the time and there was no hope scholarship or no any kind of financial aid so i think my last quarter it cost seven hundred dollars to go and so you could actually work your way through school and so went to georgia tech i grew up in the atlanta area and so was familiar with georgia tech and the reputation and that sort of thing and as i went through mostly my focus was on getting a job um georgia tech was I've never ever had an academic experience that was harder or more challenging than it was at at Georgia Tech. So it was about expectation that I would, about value, where I could go, and then um, finally about what, what could be on the other side of that. Actually, my dad asked me one time, he said, Jeff, if you could buy a Subaru or a Cadillac for the same price, what were what would you do and i said i'd buy a cadillac and he said you're smart enough to go to georgia tech you're not going to georgia so that's that's how i ended <laughs> okay. up that's how i ended up at georgia tech nice now what um clearly you moved on through college um to the master's degree programs to your doctorate what, what was did it, did it change from the undergraduate to graduate level work as far as what you were seeking out to do, what you what what kind of challenges presented to you later in life? Well, it's it's uh, always you trade time for education for opportunity, um, and education means opportunity. So, a little bit of history here because I've I've old enough to have lived some history. So NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, came in, and it wreaked havoc on textile mills in um, in the United States. And so the Burlington Industries is where I worked. We did worsted wool, um, by the way, uh, which is a lot better than doing cotton. So worsted wool, and when that started happening, the the jobs in that industry just collapsed. And so we were living in Oxford, North Carolina at the time, and we moved back to Atlanta. And in order to find opportunity, I went to night school, went to – I got an MBA with a concentration in information systems from Kennesaw State. It was Kennesaw State College at that point. Now it's a university. But again, um, okay, I'm I'm here, and I, I want to find better, whatever that better is going to be, and the pathway is always education. 
So is that what motivated you to continue on to get your graduate degree? Did you always have that mindset? Always, definitely always had that mindset. So the master's degree and then at the time I started the program with um, UFTC, the doctorate program. It's a, uh, it's a doctorate in learning and leadership. I, at the time I was the the person in charge of all the training, worldwide training for Eastman Chemical Company. So I, part of that was the, the corporate university and all the corporate training. And I did a lot of instructional design. I had instructional designs on, designers on my, on my staff. Um, and so I think sometimes we don't understand there's educational systems outside our edu- the one that we're involved in. So companies like that have their own educational systems. So it made a lot of sense uh, for me to um, continue that. And I, I had not a thought of going you know, into uh, academics at all. Hmm. Um, so, I, so that was the thought there. I could progress and plus at the time, UTC offered the doctorate in a hybrid format at the Higher Ed Center in Kingsport. And so access made it a lot easier as well um, and uh, to make that decision. So what exactly led you from Georgia to Tennessee? A love. It was the love of a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. my, my My wife from Kingsport, Tennessee. (laughs) <laughs> and really, the reason we came back was not my job at Eastman Chemical Company, but uh, because she, she wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and being uh, from Fulton County, Georgia, uh, outside of Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. I was reluctant, is a good <laughs> word, to move to the hills of northeast Tennessee. Um, but it's the best decision we ever made. And so we finished raising our children. Our oldest was in third grade, and our youngest was two um, and they're all still in the area and love this area. It's a, it's a, it was, um, she was right. Yeah, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Now, previously you were, uh, you were vice president for workforce development um, here at Northeast State several years ago, as you mentioned. What piqued your interest in kind of uh, returning to Northeast State? What, was, what were those experiences um, like in your first go around? And what really interested, interested you in coming back? Well, we were able to do some things um, at the college, and at the time, I had responsibility for the Kingsport campus as part of my as part of and as for adult ed, and for um, and for economic and workforce development. And so, as part of that, we continued to build onto RCAM and started career academies down there, and then also did things um, like started the first apprenticeship program ever at a post-secondary institution in Tennessee and and started that um, and we we had I mean we would have crazy requests like we had people from the US Chamber of Commerce have our US Department of Commerce have the Eurasian people come and look at RCAM, Kingsport, Tennessee. So you have, you know, people from Kagastan and, and that wow. sort of thing coming and touring. So we got a lot of national recognition as well just because of the ability and the creativity of the people. I, I said many times that none of the ideas that we ended up uh, developing were mine. Uh, my job was to help cultivate and have create an environment where those ideas could come. So we were able to do a lot of great things, um, which ended up catching the attention of the newly elected governor, actually, um, and uh, got, a, got a phone call to come talk to him, and I didn't know him from Adam um, <laughs> at all. And so we able to take the, the blueprint for the state of Tennessee came from northeast state of Kingsport. That's what it did. Uh, everything from the new Office of Apprenticeship to how we go about interacting with businesses and the technical training and everything that we do for the Department of Labor, so for the state of Tennessee. So the opportunity to come back and be a part of whatever's next was just tremendous. Um, And one that was not just um, a head decision, but a heart decision to to come and, and see what we can do next as a college. So, Speaking of 
what we can do next as a college. Um, when you became president of Northeast State, what were your expectations? Uh, I expected that we were going to be excellent um, (laughs) uh, because I know the people, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not know, and part of this is being able to go somewhere else so that you can see what you have back home. Mm. Our assets, facilities, are the best in the state um, for workforce development, but as a college, too. I mean, they, they just are. So we have tremendous, and I don't think I expected to realize that when I when I came back. Um, I expected mm. to feel like coming home yeah. um, and making connections um, and um, and just what the work that we do is high, high purpose work. And to get to do high, high purpose work in your home, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's true. So were your expectations met or have they been met? Um, Yes. Well, <laughs> so uh, it depends on which expectations we. Um, so we we have we have some things to figure out. Mm-hmm. My expectation is absolutely we'll figure this out, um, and if we can't rely on one person to figure it out, right. so we'll get there. We have um, challenges and demographic challenges. So we have population issues and working age, not as many issues, and mm-hmm. so how do we go about? not just helping to solve the skills gap, but the people gap um, is part of. So I expect, we haven't gotten there yet, but I expect that we will Mm -hmm. because I know the folks who are working on it and we can define the problem and and work on it. So there's a lot of expectations that have not been met, but my expectation is very strongly that we will, that we will meet them. Right. You mentioned... um, the Career Academy, of course, RCAM, our, our regional center for advanced manufacturing, and the RCAM Academy, also located right there in the same campus, which have been enormous assets for this uh, for this college. Can you talk a little bit more about how the Career Academy concept is going to expand in our regional high schools, maybe in the next couple of years, as as we kind of seek to to serve those high school students a little bit better through the Career Academy model. Sure. And so one of the things that uh, we have been doing, McKenzie's been helping do, is going and talking to counselors. Um, so we just go have lunch with counselors and listen, high school counselors, and listen to what they have to say. And, you know, from an industry, private sector thing, you call that a voice of the customer. Um, and part of those conversations reveal that, okay, a couple of things. One, um, there are some high school models in the Northeast that are extraordinary and there's a basically a high school that all the buses go to for technical training and they of course they get scale when you have when you have different high schools coming you can buy better machines you can do you can do that's that sort of thing and so in talking to the counselors and in listening to the benchmarks that were happening there is no reason in the world that we're we're sitting in right now in a world-class facility in kingsport there's a world-class facility on the airport uh there's a world-class facility we just need to get the students here mm-hmm. and we need to get the students here not just the ones who can who have cars to drive not just the ones with cars and so part of what we've done is we've made the offer to high schools that will reimburse you for the buses if you bus your students here. And so that actually starts this summer um, and then we'll continue through the fall and we're going to build on on that model, not just for technical training, but it turns out that the high schools would rather send their students for half a day and turns out we'd rather have them for half a day. And so um, that that should build and what that does is it allows students across the region to have access to uh, world-class facility, machinery, and training that they otherwise would not just because of a bus ride. Mm-hmm. And so we, we can take care of that and part of how we're taking care of that and we've committed to um, our schools that we're in this for at least five years so you know let's do this for five years but we have funding already to do that partially grant and partially from the foundation to get started so that as a college we can underwrite that and not bear the expense until we see how this how this thing develops 
I do think in talking to industry too, we're going to have those students start earlier and finish earlier. They're going to be ready for the workforce earlier. Um, we won't lose them when they graduate. So our 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 training, we won't have to chase them down and wait for reconnect. Um, and so I th- it will be good. It will be good for the prosperity of our region as well as the college. And I was going to actually you kind of led into what was next on my mind with that last statement. It's good for everybody here, the region, for us as a college. Um, What exactly does that mean for our local businesses, our economy in general in Northeast Tennessee, Southwest Virginia area? to have to extend that accessibility to students to um, allow them to get that education that they otherwise might not have had the chance to get you know with school buses and transportation that's a big deal to some families to a lot of families yes and so it solves two two issues um, two big ones anyway Um, it involves uh, young people in the economy or gives them a chance in the economy and when a young person has a job a lot of good things happen a lot of bad things don't um, and the second piece and this is going to be true for a while the the biggest barrier to growth is not money and it's not um, assets or our sites or the ability to expand its people not having enough people first of all and not having trained qualified people secondly and so you involve more people in the economy which allows there to be growth in the region which means more prosperity which means more ability to be into the economy and so it really starts um, with connecting um, students and if it costs a bus ride it costs a bus ride to uh, an opportunity for prosperity, opportunity to get better and better themselves. Um, and really, the earlier we can do that, the better, um, especially when I was talking to some superintendents the other day, high school superintendents, and they have all the wraparound services in high school already. So between the both of us, um, we can really change the trajectory of lives but also just introduce opportunity that they might not have known that was there so they could essentially get an associate's degree before they get a diploma i know they can do that now with dual enrollment but this would create more opportunity for more students to obtain that correct whether it's a whether it's a full associate or certificate or whatever the case may be um they could have that before they walk, you know, the, they'll have a certificate or graduate from Northeast State before they graduate from high school. And wow. so their work rating, they can continue to go um, on. And uh, there's, we have this concept, no destination without connection. So we don't want to send you to a dead end something. So mm-hmm. if you go there, you can stay there. But if you want to continue, there needs to be a way to continue. Right. And so that that's the idea there for um, for them just to get started earlier, and the earlier the better. Um, and there's no reason why that opportunity can't be extended. A bus ride, we can do a bus. We can figure out the bus ride. <laughs> if, if, if the if the barrier to prosperity is a bus ride, we, we can right. figure we can figure that out. Solvable problem. Yeah. Yes. Instead of looking around saying who's responsible for that, okay, we'll we'll do that one. <laughs> Uh, speak, well, speaking of value, um, Tennessee and Northeast State, you've got the Tennessee Promise Scholarship for mm-hmm. the traditional student. You have the Tennessee Reconnect Scholarship grant fund for the adult students. Our Northeast State Foundation has several scholarships that can, that can fund uh, tuition, books, many other things. Our Student Needs Project also assists students. You can enroll at Northeast State, get a certificate or an associate's degree, or a couple of them if you want to, and not have any student debt. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to overstate that? It is not. No. So, it's uh, are we smart enough to buy a Cadillac or a Subaru for the <laughs> yes, same price? Exactly. Um, and yeah, so okay. Um, and so yeah, you want to swim without an anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and if mm-hmm. you if you finish with debt, you you have an anchor. Right. And 
you think about whether it's an RN or whether it's a maintenance technician, air, aircraft maintenance technician, the the opportunity for earnings on the other side of that is tremendous. And a lot of most of our programs, and you don't have that drag with with the debt mm-hmm. um, that that so many folks come along with it. And and so we talk about, and we need to continue to talk about our value again. So cost quality. Um, it's not cheap um, because cheap is is a not good quality. We have high quality at a low cost because of what you talk about, Tom, at a very low cost. And so the value of an education in North, Northeast State is tremendous. And one of the things we need to continue to understand about value, though, is opportunity costs. So I could be doing something else if I instead of go to school. Um, and so part of how we, we need to communicate the value on the other end of that, but also um, we need to wrap, and we're and this is what apprenticeship does, wrap education around the job as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so we're educating, I guess, 500 or 600 students who are working in an apprenticeship program but taking credit-bearing coursework. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to continue to grow because as companies um, and private sector face this people gap too, they're going to hire people who they need to train and they need to educate on, on processes while they're coming up to speed and working. And that's exactly what apprenticeships will do and why we need to continue to expand and get and get good at those. I will say this too, you think about apprenticeships being um, manufacturing or construction, but we're, we're having a talk with the state uh, um, later this week about participating in a teacher apprenticeship program to where um, teachers go through an apprenticeship program, so they're working at a position in the school um, and communities like Clarksville are way ahead and what they found out is they're building their pipeline of people but also their teachers are starting to look like their students because I don't have to stop and go I can keep working and why educate myself and so the access to becoming a teacher expands so we're going to lean into that heavy. Um, Nathan Weber and I have a conversation coming up this week, and he, of course, he already has a model. So we will go the the Weber model um, as we <laughs> go Weber forward. Model. Talk to them about the state. What did you see and hear about Northeast State during your time as Commissioner of Labor and Workforce Development? Um, so. The reputation here is tremendous. Um, the Regional Center for Advanced Manufacturing has a, a southeastern reputation. Um, and the, so one of the reasons that I was asked to go be Commissioner of Labor and Workforce Development is my association with the college um, and the work that we'd gotten to do in and around the, in and around the region. So tremendous. Um, tremendous reputation uh, for people who actually f- drove as far as you know past Knoxville um, <laughs> which we continue to remind uh, that yeah the state doesn't stop at Knoxville um, it's on a, a tremendous reputation everybody understands um, the challenges post COVID with college going rate and, and that sort of thing and mm-hmm. so colleges uh, across Tennessee are reimagining I guess is the catch phrase the catch term catch word um, and we do have to do that but Northeast State's been doing that for a while on that on that journey for a while so no um, we the folks in Nashville know about our college excellent now the apprenticeship model uh, I mean it's a pretty ancient model of, of education what, what have you found that really made that work? That's kind of a two-part question. What, what have you found that's really made that work um, here for Northeast State? And as you mentioned, the teacher model, how, how can that model be extended into other non-traditional areas of, say, the humanities, the social sciences, 
kind of kind of the uh, well, like I said, the non-traditional areas people might not think about that are still ripe to have apprentice apprentices grown through them. Yeah, and so I um, um, talk about apprenticeships not because I just love apprenticeships, but because they work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is the and we can talk about learning theory and talk about how I'm doing reading and then I'm applying and then I'm doing my work and then I so you have to have three things to have apprenticeship you have to have you have to have work on the job what your craft is what your occupation is you have to have um, training and education related to that and you have to have a mentor and a mentor can't have 20 people so you have all those things in your education and from a social cognitive learning perspective it is the best model it's not a cheap model but it is the best model to learn and apply and get guidance from uh, an expert on on that so um so that model is and and by the way when you have a job a lot of your student needs go away um a lot of things that a typical student would run into scheduling um, again you're wrapping the education around the job as opposed to the other other way around and if you think about it Tom what if uh, a doctor go is an apprenticeship model a pilot mm-hmm. is an apprenticeship model so if the things that are really important to us <laughs> we, we train them like an apprentice yes uh, we don't call them call them that but in the in the where we are now is Working and learning is going to have to be simultaneous instead of sequential, and so that's what we're. That's why, as an educational institution, to lean into that model, and remember our purpose, and not fall in love with our process, is 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 part of a part of what we're going to need to do. In terms of what else can be any any there's so if you look it up, there's occupations as long as your arm and so when you think about anything that might end in occupation like a teacher or like something in criminal justice or any things that um, even if it, whether it's two year or four year uh, eventually then then that can be a principal um, occupation so it's a matter of understanding what that means and I, I, that's why I'm excited for our teacher apprenticeship because we'll engage our humanities folks in okay what does this mean what is this learning model like um and um again if it's if we're going to get better teachers on the back end of that that's really the purpose i think that's great because personally i'm more of a hands-on person i learn by doing which is how I learned financial aid because nobody goes to school for financial aid. Right. It's not a thing. Um, so you get on the job training and you learn how to do your job and, you know, life is the best teacher. So I think, I, think I agree. Exciting. And there's, there's a misnomer to most apprenticeships in technical fields are four years. So think about that. You have four years of education, four years of job mm-hmm. experience, four years of mentorship. Wow. And you get a journeyman certificate, and if you've never been to apprentice uh, graduation, it is a graduation, and that thing is a degree. Um, and so we are in the process too of crosswalking that back to academic coursework. Again, no destination without connection. Um, so if somebody goes through an apprenticeship program, then we can say, okay, this counts. Uh, you don't have to go back and and do all this stuff over that you've had an expert with you you've nice. done it and you know you've had the the learning associated with it so again it's a another educational pathway um that we need to integrate with mm-hmm. so does this have the potential to extending into other i guess trades other professions beyond teaching sure um i think in and our, when we make our hire for our new VP of Economic and Workforce Development, they will be charged with working with, uh, with our academic uh, side. And uh, Nathan Weber's kind of standing on that spot right now. But I think a criminal justice could be part of it, or it, it's anything that's um, that that can end in an occupation is. And so we'll 
look through there, we need to do the first one well first. Mm-hmm. And I think also, as an aside, our, if you do that, we have a chance to really grow our number of teachers that we have as students um, going into the teaching profession. So with that model as well. Mm-hmm. Now you've t- I know one uh, really a, a centerpiece of a lot of things you've talked about since you returned to the Northeast State has been. Let me uh, interrupt you real quick. You have a great radio voice. He does. Look at that. It's like I'm listening to NPR or something. <laughs> well, hey, gotta get that. I don't know why or how, but it, there it is. <laughs> uh, it's a gift. <laughs> uh, when you talk about the uh, the untapped potential um, of this region, a lot of a huge number of people, tens of thousands, do not have GEDs. They do not have any kind of academic degree, technical certificate of any kind. What, what's our long game in reaching those people, getting them hopefully to, to kind of seize on the opportunities they have to kind of get their own, to kind of reach prosperity, whatever prosperity is to them. What is kind of Northeast State's long game as you see it to, to kind of make that happen? So when I was uh, Commissioner of Labor and Workforce Development, the, all the state um, high set adult ed, basic education programs reported up through me. So we had somebody in charge of report to me. And one of the – and so in the state of Tennessee, half of there's half a million working-age people without a high school diploma, uh, which is more than there are in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we began, Tom, to – treat that like a gigantic high school what do they do in high school well they do enroll mm-hmm. they do work-based learning programs you go to pre-apprenticeship programs so you get engaged um, in wage earning opportunities while you're while you're going through and really you're going getting college credit like you would in high school and the pull through on that have started to show. And so we, to your point, in our service area, we have 40,000 people without a high school diploma who are locked on the other side of prosperity. And as we continue to serve them, we'll um, integrate, educa- you know, simultaneously, not sequentially, with the programs just like it would with any other high school. So again, this new VP, they better be good. <laughs> Because um, part of that is to drive that program of dual enrollment. And there's some classes that I know that we can do it with and, and go from there. So you have those. You have um, another forty or 50,000 in our region who are on some sort of public assistance. Now, there's probably overlap there. But uh, we are – there's a group called Strong ACC that is helping move those folks from – public assistance to independence and and so we are the educational partner there and so we'll begin to enroll from that group of folks and i think i think they're going to try to recruit 400 the first go round and then another 400 but get that line as well going so we can engage students that we never ever would have engaged before i think part of the potential is that there are groups out there who are serving people who should be our students, who we're the they're the right we're the right place for them to come for a variety of reasons, and we need to connect with those people who are serving the people, as opposed to just trying to connect to the people, because the the ones in between us are trusted, and and they can communicate in ways that we just don't know how to communicate. And so that's part of our strategy too to reach those to reach those those folks. I kind of want to touch base on the AI already. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to talk about that. So uh, you know we did have a previous podcast just kind of um, talking about artificial intelligence, the rise of that technology, and what that means for in the classroom education and well any sort of education really inside the classroom outside the classroom um what have you observed uh from northeast state faculty um in terms of ai technology um have you seen any fear surrounding that is any hesitance i guess introducing that into the classroom setting well it's interesting because first of all it's 
it is a little scary, not just in the classroom setting, but I was reading an article today that AI can imitate any singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and voice any singer and do the voice and all that kind of stuff. And so the um, plagiarism, for example, is uh, a good topic because I did have a conversation with with some of the faculty and representatives of the faculty about you know i go to is it original but it is original (laughs) but it's not my original and so those definitions and wrestling with okay is this a a tool or an enemy um Mm -hmm. and even if it is an enemy do we stand a chance of 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 overtaking this enemy and so um those are things we're gonna have to wrestle with i i am um of the mind that um, we're going to have to find a way to have some sort of harmony with this. In inside me, I'm thinking you should write your own stuff. You know, you mm-hmm. should do your own stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is something's going to be here, and as what whether it's in the classroom, or outside the classroom, it's going to be here. So it's going to be it's it, not just for us. Um, I know TBR as a whole's wrestling with it, and also are are the independent LGIs. I guess is what we call them universities um, as well and to come out with um, how we're going to uh, how we're going to I don't I don't think they will be embracing it um, but maybe um, maybe figuring out a way to walk beside it um, <laughs> is probably where we'll we'll turn out turn out um, it's a bre- it's a it is a New world, mm-hmm. and when um, it's, there's all the difference in the world between something that simulates an arm like a robot and something that simulates thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. that because that's you know that's the Descartes I think therefore I am, and so that's getting awful close to who we are. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wrestle. That's a bigger question than just did you cheat on your paper because you generated it from AI. I'll tell you a story. We were um, in graduation this fall, and somebody uh, was talking about AI generation, and so we said, okay, do a, we were back in the back room, and said, speaking to you, speaking into his phone, and said, generate a 10-minute graduation speech. And he said, he said that into his phone. And the graduation speech was a lot better than what I was saying. Wow. Um, and then he said, change it to Old English. And it changes Old English. So change it to French. Oh, my goodness. French. And so that is the kind of. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> it is. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just from my phone. Wow. Um, and uh, so anyway, and it was 10 minutes and it was, you know, and it. So it's it's the the thing that we need to stand the hill that we need to stand on is original thought we yes. have to figure mm-hmm. out let's have a, original some form that we recognize that that is important and that's valued yes. so i think i didn't i really talked a lot around your question um <laughs> didn't really answer your question maybe we could ask ai to answer your question. <laughs> but, but um but I, they the, the short answer is don't know i mean yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to mm-hmm. figure this out as we go but i wholeheartedly agree that original thought is still valued and should be valued and you would hope so otherwise yeah. how are we ever going to get better exactly yeah Mm-hmm. Just inside, is, have any of y'all read the uh, the old sci-fi writer Harlan Ellison wrote a book called "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream." Have you read that book? Mm-mm. I would advise reading it. It, it is the it is a, he wrote this in the '60s, and it's a look at artificial intelligence. I would just advise reading that book if you have not look okay. it up and find it. If just saying, anyway. But anyway, that's an aside to all that. What now? I know a lot of. Our faculty here at Northeast State, because we we've done a couple podcasts, episodes of, about artificial intelligence, from both the technical aspect of it and the and kind of the uh, the behavioral the psycho the psychology of it, and I guess the uh, pa- the writing of papers and and lectures. 
do you think as a tool, and it can be artificial intelligence or anything else, have you been surprised at all about how a lot of the faculty here at Northeast State are, are ahead of the game on a lot of things when it comes to teaching tools, be it AI or um, apprenticeships or whatever, whatever uh, teaching models are, are out there. Has that surprised you or, or no? No, it doesn't uh, because the people that we have, I, I'll tell, and it's, it's teaching, but it's the whole mindset. I used to, um, when I was commissioner, we, when we traveled the state and we talked to the state, across the state and I'd always come here last um, and we were having labor shortages and this and that and almost every community we went to would talk about all these problems all these problems and when we got here we talk about the solutions and my team was always like this is completely different um, from anywhere across the state and not to disparage across state, we can't help it if we're better. I mean, that's just the way. It, that's just the way it is. Um, but no, the solution mindset of the culture of the college, but also the culture of community, I think serves us very, very well. And again, I, I alluded to it earlier. There's uh, people tend to fall in love with the process and forget the purpose. And I think as much as anyone that I've been around in our area, we don't. We stay purpose-focused, um, and the process is has to change necessarily because the world changes, but the the purpose is, uh, is I think, why we're where we are and why we stay where we are supposed to be. And, no, it doesn't – it's not surprising to me at all. I remember that town hall. Yeah, you looked uh, relieved and happy to be – to be here at Northeast State, I do. I do recall that. Yeah, I was glad to be at home. I was glad to be with no hostile press conferences. Were. <laughs> so, as our president, where do you see Northeast State in five, ten years? So we're going to be the premier learning institution in the in the region. Um, and the reason I say that it it may look a little different than it does now. But um, we are the, we're not too big and not too small to really make a difference. We have the humility to make a difference um, in engaging different learning models and different ways of going about things. And to the conversation earlier, our value, our value is there and will continue to be there. Specifically, I do see, I mean, we'll continue to grow apprenticeships, but we'll also engage communities that we currently don't, which we're actively working on right now. Um, and we'll um, bring, we have a tremendous opportunity to bring prosperity to the region through, through the college. Uh, people change, processes will change, but the purpose won't, won't change, and I see us understanding that as we go um people say a lot and i don't again i don't mean to disparage this about we can be a national model well i don't really care if it's a national model i just want to do what works and mm -hmm. what we can how we can bring value to the region so we will grow um and navigate our demographic issues um because on the other side of that, it's going to cause us to, again, engage folks that might ne necessarily been engaged with before, which it will end up being a very good thing. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. I, I don't know if there's going to be another building. I don't know if right. there's going to we'll, be a we'll, – we'll, we'll expand some property. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll – if it, if, it suits, if it fulfills the purpose, there will be mm -hmm. um, as we go and, again, navigate what we're, what we're navigating. Has anything surprised you since becoming president here at Northeast State? Had anything surprising that you, you perhaps didn't know before this or seemed a bit different from what you expected? You know, Tom, I wish I could think of something, but no, not not really. Um, again, I I knew I know and knew a lot of mm -hmm. of people um, and how good and incredible people are. 
Uh, COVID was hard on everybody, and so in conversations how things may have changed COVID. But I'm not surprised that the online has increased, which is a, a big change since since I it's, uh, since I was here. Um, no, not not really. Um, I think uh, I think it's I think the idea of the goodness I had at this place is is what it what it is and what it will continue to be. I think from from my seat, um, I just need to be accessible um, and need to uh, because I need to understand. And as a college, we part of what reason we get paid is for our ideas. Um, and I want us to be a place where we can share our ideas um, and cultivate those and see and see where they go. So, Dr. McCord, at the end of every podcast, I like to ask our guests random questions. All right. So these could be anything. I just like to get, you know, instant response answers. Cause, okay. Yeah. Hit me. Okay. So if you could have any superpower... What would it be and why? It would be uh, the ability to time travel. That's Actually, okay. not time travel, but the ability to blink my eyes and be somewhere oh, else. How about yes. that? Spatial travel. Yes. So don't have to deal if with I wanted traffic. to go to my office, I'd just click my eyes. I like that. I don't really want to fly because I'm afraid of heights, so that's not good. <laughs> right? And just I, be you there. Know, being invisible, I mean, that's probably cool for a day or something, right. but then you start feeling creepy. Um, <laughs> and, you this know, is true. Yeah. And, and so I think I just like to get where I want to go quickly. Okay. And so like that's that. what, what would you call that? Not time travel, um, but... Teleportation. Teleportation. Yes. teleportation. Thank yes. you. So teleportation power is what I, I would choose given given the opportunity i like that i like that. i would i would agree because i don't want to deal with traffic and it saves exactly. a lot of money too yes right fuel, no would. plane tickets just, yeah. about, just instantaneously be there if you have yeah. to go to nashville or something you go there and be right back yeah you know mm-hmm. so that nice. would be that'd be pretty cool that would be pretty cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my no- next question yes ma'am you kind of alluded to it so it was going to be a segue, but that's okay. Um, if you could travel to any era in time, which era would you choose and why? Gosh, we live in a great time. I was talking about that with one of my sons the other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, nobody's dying of bubonic plague or <laughs> anything <laughs> like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite uh, movies as a kid was Jeremiah Johnson. Anybody know that movie? Tom, Classic masterpiece. Tom, I knew Tom would help me nerd out here a little bit. <laughs> and we'll so have to look that up. <laughs> that is like a movie of somebody going into the mountains and living in the mountains. So what? Okay. that was probably 1900s, early 1900s, you think, or late 1800s, because there were still Native Americans. Thereabouts, yeah, like oh, yeah. 1880. So that's where I'd go. I'd go hang out with jeremiah johnson okay. so when we were my older brother and i'd play he'd get to be jeremiah johnson i had to be hatchet jack which is the guy who froze to the tree oh. i mean you know i Yikes. knew how i was going to end for me every time <laughs> you know after we finished whatever we were pretending that i was going to end up <laughs> frozen frozen to the tree, to the tree. <laughs> so anyway okay two more yes ma'am one is from my co-worker so who I won't name unless you tell me to. <laughs> um, he told me to ask, why is financial aid the best office on campus? <laughs> well, financial aid is one of the best offices mm. on campus <laughs> because of the people and because of the fact that you get to uh, remove barriers yes. for students yeah. and bring mm-hmm. peace of mind and of pocket um, to, yeah. to students coming to, to college. Yeah, we do try. We do try. Um, and then my, la- my last one is the one that Tom actually started asking. Um, which, Tom, why don't you just go ahead and ask? The one? Yeah, ask well, the one. I, I, this is the one. This is I've the actually one. got two. I'm going to get two. I'm going to do the, this one first. Okay. Um, Batman or Superman? Superman. Superman, okay. Interesting. But he flies. Well, I know, but I mean, the bullets bounce off his Batman. All he has is that utility belt. I mean, <laughs> he's got nothing. And, and he, I mean, he's doing it. He, I mean, he didn't come from another planet or something like that. So 
he's doing uh, he's doing the most he can yeah for sure okay. but i mean superman faster than a speeding bullet true more powerful than a locomotive Get able to leap tall buildings in a yeah. single bound precisely yes uh, yeah okay question number two controversial to some insightful to others if you could pick an animal yeah. that would automatically become the size of an elephant yeah what would it be an ant oh, oh God. all right nice. what? why i just think how strong it would be well they're already pretty strong i know but think about an ant the size of an elephant if you could harness that Maybe, like if Batman could harness it, maybe <laughs> right. he could beat Superman. But that, got him that, would be, that would just be, I mean, an ant that size would be t- tough to deal with. That would be fearsome. Yeah, we've had a lot of bird. A lot of people have said birds. Like people ducks. have said ducks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I said penguins. Ducks. Penguins. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it would be funny to watch a duck that big waddle. <laughs> I think I said a Yorkie, because I think a Yorkie Aww. the size of an elephant in a field would be hilarious. That, I, think that, I think that would be unkind, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. Possibly. It'd be unkind to have a Yorkie that big. <laughs> Especially if you try to sit on your lap. Oh, oh yeah, that would True. I have seen um, elephants in the wild, and they're extraordinary. Mm. Really? But the wow. most extraordinary animal I've seen in the wild is a giraffe. I would not have thought that, but looking at them, they look like dinosaurs. I mean, huh. and they're they're so disproportionate. <laughs> I mean, how did you come? How are you? Have you looked in the mirror? Um, so, but anyway, it's they're just incredible um, and semi-aggressive. So. Yeah. Giraffes, giraffes, are? any of those are oh. yeah elephants yeah. as well. Yeah. So. Well, very insightful interview, I think. Yes. Well, many things from Superman to apprenticeships. We've covered the gamut here today, I That's think. That's good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, Dr. McCord, thank you uh, so much for joining us here on the Sound Barrier. We appreciate it very much and uh, look forward to, to rolling forward here in Northeast State. Thank you so much. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me. Yeah, thank oh, you, you bet. April, that's from the day, that's the month we're recording this. April, you might know, is Community College Month. But a Community College Month, that's every month here at Northeast State. We don't limit it to just April. You can hear the set podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. We're at thesoundbarrier.net or thesoundbarrier.com. You can also subscribe to us on Amazon Prime Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any streaming service. You'll find the Sound Barrier there. Also, we are registering for summer and fall classes right now at Northeast State, so get online at northeaststate.edu. That's northeaststate.edu. Enroll and register for summer and fall right now. And until then, we'll see you next time on The Sound Barrier.